all-star edition of Smith and Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Make sure you subscribe to Smith and Jones wherever you get your podcast. Download, subscribe, rate, and review with fresh content every Wednesday or Thursday right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. In fact, we had a day off last week because of All-Star Weekend, but, well, only the show was off because we weren't off. Both of us, Paul and I, were in Salt Lake City for the All-Star festivities. We both got back in the last 36, 48 hours. So before things get rolling for the Raptors in the unofficial second half of the season, in fact, it's not even the second half, it's the final third of the season, we thought we would bring you this all-star edition of Smith & Jones. And Jonesy, tons of content that we were able to gather over the three, four days that we were down in Salt Lake City. And um, I know there was a lot of uh, criticism about the all-star game and about some of the uh, events that went down. But overall, I personally still had a good time in taking part in the extravaganza, and I know that uh, I'm pretty confident that, that you did as well. Yeah, it was a fun time. Eh? Uh, it's always good to be around, as we say, in the presence of greatness, and uh, not just present greatness, but the legends of the game and, you know, seeing all the history around. So that, that, that part of it is is good. It never gets old, and, you know, especially for guys like you and I that have been around it for so long, it's nice to reconnect with people that and, – and, and get to know some of the newer people that are that are coming in behind us in that sense. But um, All-Star Weekend is always a great time. It, it really, really is for just connecting with people. And I was down there doing work for Sportsnet, so I was able to compile, uh, compile excuse me, a bunch of interviews. And we're going to play those for you over the course of this uh, special all-star edition of Smith & Jones. But you were down there doing work as well and actually kind of putting on the play-by-play hat. And, and, and hey, working for um, uh, not a competitor, working for a partner, a, a friend of ours as well, uh, doing some stuff for uh, Sirius XM Satellite Radio and NBA Radio. Yeah, I was calling the HBCU game between uh, Grambling State and Southern. Uh, real interesting story uh, from Southern head coach Sean Woods, who played at Kentucky, was recruited by Dwayne Casey at Kentucky, and actually made the shot before one of the biggest shots in college basketball. He made a 15-foot floater for Kentucky in 1992 in the East Regional Final, and then we all know the next play was the long pass to Christian Leitner, who took a turnaround jump shot at the free throw line to send Duke to the final four. So uh, nice to, to talk about that play, um, although maybe a little bittersweet for Coach Woods. Well, you speak about some of those connections, Jonesy, perhaps one of the great connections, at least from a well a Raptors perspective, but heck, this is even a league perspective as well. The connection between Adrian Griffin and A.J. Griffin, a father-son combo in the NBA with, of course, A.J. playing for the Atlanta Hawks and Adrian, assistant coach with the Toronto Raptors. And uh, in Salt Lake City, as we were preparing for the Rising Stars game last Friday, I had a chance to go one-on-one with A.J. Griffin. AJ, I remember asking OG Ananobi this question years ago, and with no no disrespect to OG, his answer wasn't the greatest, and, I'll, and I've said that to his face. I said, when you're coming into the league and you had a brother that played as a professional athlete, you know, I'm assuming that's kind of an in for you to, to, to let you know what life's going to be like as a professional athlete. He said, doesn't matter. Didn't really talk to him, and that was it. But for you, your dad as a pro athlete and growing up around the game and growing up around the league, how did that help pave your path? Oh, man, uh... I think it helped me tremendously because, you know, just any advice, you know, I need or want, I could go to him, you know. He's been through the same stuff. So, like, throughout this year, you know, going through, you know, rookie year, you got so many questions. You don't know, you know, how the second half of the season is. And so just asking him questions, I think, you know, throughout the course of my career, you know, I've was, I was just been able to, you know, get some, you know, great knowledge from him. And you, it's, it's different when it's your pops, too, because, like, be able to share the same memories and you know, just also just have fun, you know, making sure like you know you're having fun with it. So yeah. Do you remember that first time walking into an arena and recognizing that hey, my dad's actually a pro athlete as opposed to just dad at home? Like, do you remember that uh, moment? I actually wasn't like old enough to remember him playing. Yeah. But I remember him coaching uh, in Chicago, and you know, I used to just love going to you know the pregame uh, warmups and watching other players warm up and just like being around like you know the basketball world. And so it's just easy, you know, to really just follow that path. So I'm going to use the word surreal, but I don't know if there's a better one. Mm-hmm. What's it like for you then being in the league now? Yeah. And I know it's already happened a few times this season, yeah. being on the court, playing uh-huh. with him on the sidelines, coach, and let alone obviously the killer that you had against the yeah. Raptors and the buzzer beater. But, like, what's that been like for you? Man, uh, I think you could have never said 
it couldn't say it better. Uh, it definitely feels surreal. Um, I feel like as this year goes on, like I have so many memories where I can look back at and just be like, man, like just how you know grateful I am to be here, and and really just it just shows you, you know, all the all that hard work, you know, it just pays off, and to be able to get you know like a buzz of beer against my pops, like. That's forever. I already got a picture framed and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm going to be like showing that to like my kids one day and stuff like that. So, yeah. All right, last one for you, since we're talking about family here. Your dad playing in the league. You're in the league. But word on the street is you guys might not be the best player in the family. That's that's what I hear, at least. Who, who said that? I, I'm just saying. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard, you know? No, I, I, definitely, I definitely think we need to have like a, you know, like a little one-on-one tournament. It's been a minute since we play. So. Yeah, but I got to throw your sister in there. That's what I'm yeah, talking yeah. about, right? Are you just, so you're playing one on one with your sister. You can't not playing your pops anymore. He's my pops, yeah. He, <laughs> I don't know about he. I don't know you can't with us. But me and my me and my sis, you know, she's been hooping this year. You know, I've been proud of her, and you know, just be able to, uh, you know, have like a basketball family like that. You know, it's just it's pretty cool to share. You know, the same you know journey. So yeah. Enjoy the weekend, man. Thanks. Uh, thank you. Jonesy, it is pretty cool to think about that. Like, I mean, we both have sons, you know, even if we were to talk about, you know, fathers and daughters out there, but but just from an NBA perspective, the father-son combination, it's got to be such a thrill. Even though even though he, he delivered that dagger against his dad's team earlier this season when the Hawks beat the Raptors at the buzzer, it's got to be such a thrill for Adrian to be seeing his son in the league and also playing well in the league and being on the biggest stage last week in Salt Lake City. Well, he is a rising star, uh, A.J. Griffin, and you look at the way he plays uh, with such poise and, and such you know, calm as a young player, and a lot of that can probably be attributed to lessons he's learned from his dad. Well, another rising star, of course, is Toronto's own Scotty Barnes, the reigning rookie of the year, and I had a chance to go one-on-one with Scotty Barnes. Scotty. Here you are at your second All-Star weekend, and I know you didn't have a chance to experience this circus last year, get stuck in traffic or whatever it was, but what's this whole you know, weekend like for you from kind of beginning to end and just being a part of the, the grand spectacle that is All-Star weekend? Uh, it's an amazing atmosphere to be around, an amazing environment. Uh, being around the people, uh, I know these, a lot of these people from when I got drafted. Yeah. Uh, just like the staff members here and everything that the NBA is doing, uh, they do an amazing job just being able to reach out to us and telling us our benefits and how we can use them uh, to benefit ourselves as well. Uh, and then just being around the players, I feel like I know a lot of these younger players uh, that's been around the league. And even the older guys, they always show love and respect uh, as well. So that's a fun atmosphere to be around, and I love it. I've talked to so many young players over the years about the transition from college to pros, more so off the floor, mm. not necessarily on, just life. Being 19, 20 years old, maybe you can't even drink in a lot of places. You can't go out. You can't do as much stuff. You're away from home for the first time. A lot of, not necessarily applying to you in all of those, those, uh, those points. But what's it been like life adjusting to being a pro? Uh, I would say there's definitely way more less being less strict uh being able to control what you can control uh being able to be you uh i feel like i love that about this uh this life uh you can be who you are and try to show that uh but life off the nba floor is is good i feel like i've been living away from home uh so that doesn't really bother me as well uh but life off the floor is simple uh it's just how you want to make it is it just come down to the individual personality and that's what we see more and more coming out from you as you find your comfort in the league and on the team and just you just kind of you as a person? Uh, I feel like so. Um, being able to be off the NBA floor, I feel like that, that really shows who you really are. Uh, being on the NBA floor it shows some of your personalities and what you like to do. Uh, but uh, off the floor, that's where your really character shows. You think we've seen the true Scotty Barnes yet, player uh, or person? No, nah, I, uh, I wouldn't say so yet. Not all the way. Uh, <laughs> little glimpses, but not all the way yet. Uh, a couple questions on the team specifically away from this weekend. And I mean, we always say it's the second half of the season. It's really not. It's the final quarter of the yes. season, basically. But you guys are playing better right now than you have been in you know most stretches of the season. What do you think of this team and the way it's coming together and the, you know, the addition of Yak and, and the way you guys have been playing the last month or so? Uh, I feel like our team, we really love each other. Uh, 
really are there for each other. We're just trying to stay together no matter what. Uh, win, loss, um, just trying to stay together, fight each and every position out. Uh, just going back to our principles and focus on those things. Were you surprised? I'm assuming happy, but were you surprised that nothing major was done at the deadline in terms of exits, no, like the I, additions? I wouldn't say I was surprised. Uh, we, we, we all believe in each other, uh, and that's how we always been feeling. Uh, so I wasn't really surprised. Last we got one. a good addition, though. Yeah, no, well, I was going to ask you that then, the addition you got, having that big man in the middle. What kind of a difference can it make for you guys that, that, having that type of weapon? Uh, you can just see it, the rim protection, he alters shots. Uh, he's able to be a big presence for us down deep in the paint. Uh, he's a high IQ player that you can give it to him and he knows how to make smart reads, sets great screens and rolls. Uh, he has a big presence for us on the floor. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. He's a great person off the floor. Oh, even better. I love his personality. See, I like how you tied that right at the end. We talk about being good people. I love his personality. He's a great guy. Uh, he knows how to communicate, and he has a fun personality to him as well. But if he was a bad guy, you probably wouldn't tell me anyway. Uh, nah, I probably wouldn't. <laughs> Thanks, man. We'll hear more from Scotty in a couple of minutes because I had, actually had a chance to uh, hook up with Scotty again after the Rising Stars game. And the, uh, the line of... The questioning and the conversation was a little bit different than what you just heard there. So we'll play Scotty again in just a couple of moments. But Jonesy, another part of the Rising Stars, in fact, one of two Canadians in the game, Benedict Matherin, but also Andrew Nemhard. And uh, I had a chance to go one-on-one -on -one with Andrew Nemhard. Andrew, for this moment, I'm sure it's going to be different when you actually hit the floor, but is it kind of one of those pinch-me moments to be seeing here and a part of All-Star Weekend? For sure. It's one of those moments you just got to be grateful for and um Really understand that um, you got to stay in the moment, just celebrate it and, and, and enjoy the moment. What is this last year? I mean, I could probably say last two, three, five years, but what's the last kind of 12 months been like for you going from draft to into the league, that first game, and now culminating in this weekend? Yeah, it's been exciting, man. It's been, it's been one of those things where you're just on to the next thing, on to the, you just want to keep getting better and better and improving people wrong. And um, it's been fun, man. It's been fun. When you were a kid growing up, First love in the game, first playing the game. Is this what you had in your mind one day, or what, what was the ultimate dream for you? Definitely. Playing in the league was a big dream ever since I was really young. And at the time, I was delusional, a young kid. I thought I was going to get there no matter what. Um, and over time, I kind of saw that process out and felt like I had a real chance. And um, it's just a blessing to be in this position. I want to just enjoy the moment. You know, it's an interesting year, I guess, overall for you as well. I'm, I'm now projecting ahead to the summertime and whatever happens with the Pacers. But... You have a task at hand with your pro team, but then you look at the summertime and what's happening with the Canadian program. You know, it's, it's kind of this strange moment in time that so many players really haven't experienced because the program has struggled for a while. And now, for you personally, it's like careers taken off, international things are taken off. Like, it's, it's kind of a, a, a unique moment, I suppose. Super excited moment for Canada basketball in general, just the amount of players we're having coming up and how many guys are in the league now. Um, representation, representation is real. And, um, I just want to be a part of it. I definitely want to be a part of the national team going forward, too. I'm certain you've I've been asked about this a bunch of times, but as a youngster growing up, you didn't have a ton of guys to look up to. There's a select few, but you just said it. There's so many guys now. It seems like every night we turn on the game and there's at least one guy on one of the teams from Canada. What does that mean for you to be in the role model to the kid that's watching right now, that's home, saying that's what I want to be one day, and you can see that it's more attainable? Yeah, it's cool. It's just a responsibility that you got to do. and. Um, you just want to keep pushing the game forward, keep inspiring young young guys and, and, and give them all the knowledge they can to, to continue to push that culture forward. Last one for you, whether it be a Raptor and or a Canadian, or maybe it's neither, who was your number one guy or your first couple of guys that were inspiring you most when you were young? I think the guys inspired me, especially like Andrew Wiggins was big, going to the same high school as me. Uh, he's a big name. And like uh, Kevin Pango, Corey Joseph, Tyler Ennis, those are guys that um, – I looked up to growing up and just pushed the culture. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All the best. That was Indiana Pacer and, of course, Canadian Andrew Nemhard. And I know you go way back, way back with the Nemhard family. Oh, yeah, Eric. It's just, it's just fabulous to hear uh, Andrew and just look at what a quality young man he's grown into. And uh, I'm not surprised. Uh, his dad, Claude, former uh, executive director of the Ontario Basketball Association, his mom, Mary, just outstanding people. And 
Yeah, we go way back because Andrew Nemhard played bitty ball when I don't know seven, eight years old with with my son named Andrew, and uh, you know they were all around that same time. Uh, both our kids, uh, R.J. Barrett, uh, all those kids were kind of coming down the pipe at the same time. So great to hear Andrew and, and see how well he's doing. And uh, if people don't know, there's a Nem, another Nemhard in the queue as well, Ryan, who's at Creighton. So, um, you know, hats off to Claude and Mary. And, and like I said, you know, Claude and I sat at my dinner table uh, in north of the city and talked about, you know, how to get these kids on the right path. Claude actually started a camp and it's terrific to see all the fruits of the labor come through with Andrew and in Ryan. Uh, I didn't actually have a chance, unfortunately, to uh, to you know get a conversation or an interview with Benedict Matherin, but certainly great to see uh, the Montreal native in action in Salt Lake City as well. Let's bring in another friend of the show, though. He's joined us a couple of times already this season on Smith & Jones. In fact, I think it was just a couple of weeks ago that we had him on. Uh, I ran into him. He was doing work for ESPN Radio. Uh, throughout the weekend, not just for the Rising Stars game, but I believe for the All-Star game itself and for All-Star Saturday night. They were doing a bunch of work, uh, uh, the guest I'm about to mention, along with Mark Kestisher, the fabulous play-by-play man. Uh, I had a chance to hook up with P.J. Carlismo to talk about not just the Rising Stars, but uh, trade deadline and a whole lot more, a bunch of topics around the uh, NBA with former head coach and former Raptor assistant coach as well, P.J. Carlissimo. Coach, we are... A little more than a week removed from the NBA trade deadline. Um, Kevin Durant goes from east to west. Not a ton of movement in terms of, you know, marquee or big splash moves, but a lot of little moves. Does anybody really stand out outside of Phoenix in terms of this team is markedly better now than they were, let's say, two, three weeks ago? Well, I'm anxious to see what happens in Dallas. I mean, when you, you know, you had a player like Kyrie Irving to a team that's already a good team. I think that that could be a significant move. I think a lot of teams help themselves you know, somewhat, but there's so little time left, Eric. It's, you know, we got 45 days. I'm really anxious to watch the games in March and see which teams can get somebody in and kind of add them in seamlessly and see whether they're going to genuinely make the team better or not. Seems an awful lot went on in the West and not quite as much in the East, which is probably good news if you're in the East. You know, you mentioned the fact that there's only 45 days left, not games. Um, it used to be that All-Star break was the unofficial halfway point, quote-unquote halfway. It's now basically the one-third, almost the one-quarter point from a coach's perspective. How difficult is that to try and put a team together and find that cohesion in such a short amount of time? It's a challenge. I mean, you wouldn't even think about it. If we were talking 45 days in the beginning of the season, yeah. we'd just say well, it's only been 45 days. You know, it's too early to tell what a team's going to be like. Now, again, teams are in better shape right now. That's significant. But the, the other truth is – to me, unscientifically, we've had more injuries than we've ever had. So you've got a lot of teams that like the Clippers. What are the, is Kawhi Leonard there? Is he there back-to-backs? Is he the, him and Paul George? Are they there all the time? Uh, the, the other teams, uh, AD's been out a good chunk yeah. of the year for L.A. Like, it, what team is L.A.? Is it that team? or yep. is it? So I think there's a lot of teams that are just anxious to get the players they already had on their roster back in playing shape and playing with their teammates to see what they're going to be like. Forget about adding a Kevin Durant or a Kyrie Irving at this time of the year. Let me stay on the coaching thing for a second because we see a lot of teams come to Toronto. And I swear, if I haven't heard it from every coach, it's been at least half the league. Man, all their size and their length, and they come at you in waves, and, and they're so difficult to play against. But then, with due respect, the numbers speak to themselves. Raptors seem to be giving up regularly, 50, 55, 60% some nights, coach. So is it that... Defenses in general are playing. Well, no, yeah, it's, it's harder. It's harder in no, no. league. There's no question. It's harder to defend. It's hard for anybody to defend, but particularly for a team like Toronto that has been as good as they've been right. over the years defensively, and they're so good with the turnovers. They always have that turnover advantage. They take care of the ball themselves. You would just say, God, the way they play defense, they're going to be right. They are there an awful lot of nights, but they're they're, they're not finishing quite as much. And uh, Nick would obviously know a lot more. You would know a lot more from seeing them play all the time, but. Uh, that's a team that, like Golden State last year, I think it's a team that's relatively intact the entire year. 
they could get it together and make a run, and no one's going to be surprised. Say, well, those guys are used to playing with each other. They've cleaned up some of the things they didn't do well the first two-thirds of the year or whatever it's been, and, and make a serious run. So I say this respectfully. You've been around a long time. You've seen the league go through a lot of peaks and valleys, the game itself go through peaks and valleys. Do you like where it's at right now with the offense and, and the way the game's even being played? No, I, I think we, we're too far the other way. I, I don't mind the offense. I don't mind the three-point shooting, but we're too far the other way now. Uh, and, and I think it'll, it'll swing back. I think it, it, they, they'll talk to the referees. They'll make some you know, minor adjustments, and they'll say, look, we can't call every little thing. You know, give the defense a chance. Right now, it's really hard. There are some teams that are, are putting up really good defensive numbers, but they're few and far between. And most coaches, the first thing they tell me, like, as they share with you, pick up the paper in the morning and they see somebody scored 140 last night or some individual got 45 or 50 points. Nobody's surprised anymore. Yeah, yeah. That That's not the old NBA for sure. All right, last one for you. Old NBA, let's talk about new NBA. Some of the youngsters warming up behind us right now, rising stars. Is there a one or two guys right now? And among the younger players, PJ, that sort of excite you as a coach, let alone as a fan well, of the Scotty game. Barnes, not being Chamber of Commerce, but your guy. Uh, I like him a lot. I love Paulo Bancaro. I, I like a lot of the young players, to be honest with you. I think we're getting some really good players in. It's just that a lot of them, some of them, are not ready to play. Uh, and I, I think th there's a little bit of lesson, and I think the guys that spent a, you look at Ben Matherin this year, spent two years in college, and yep. I think really benefited from it. So um, it, it to me, the biggest challenge to coaching in the league now is how many young players there are and how many players aren't prepared the way you used to get guys that were out two, three years out of college and you could kind of tell them something and you had an expectation level of things they already knew. There's more elementary teaching going on right now in the league. The talent, no question about it, but they, they learn to learn some of the skills a little bit more. Coach, we appreciate the time. All right, Eric, good being with you was former Toronto Raptors assistant coach, former NBA head coach, and, of course, longtime NCAA head coach, P.J. Carlissimo. Now, P.J. mentioned one of his rising stars that he's keeping an eye on is the reigning rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes. We already heard from Scotty earlier in the show, but after the rising stars game last Friday, I had a chance to chat with Scotty for a second time to discuss the game and a few other things. My chat with Scotty Barnes. Scotty, oh, first of all, I wanted to ask you, you're an honorary Canadian, of course, now. Playing with the two Canadians, I, I sent a picture out earlier with the three and one shot. Do you, how much pride do you kind of have representing the country and being alongside a couple of Canadians on your team tonight, at least as well? Uh, the country, they always showed me love since day one. Uh, so every time I go somewhere, I'm going to try to represent them as best as possible. I have fun out here. I try to enjoy it. Uh, you see the other, the other two Canadians, their talent, they're very extremely skilled. Uh, they can score the ball very well. Uh, Andrew, he can play mate and be able to score the ball. Uh, it's a great talent. When you think back to being a kid, what did you enjoy most about All-Star Weekend as a fan? As a fan? Uh, when, I just, when I was a kid, I just watched really like the All-Star game. Yeah. Uh, and I used to play it on 2K. Uh, I feel like that was the really the most lit part. Uh, I feel like that's why I enjoyed it more. When I was a kid, I was playing on 2K. Uh, and it's all the... It was like all the older guys that's retired or out of the league now. Uh, some guys are still in. But when I was watching it, I think the – which one it was? I think it won in Toronto. That was probably like the yeah. – that was the one I saw. And it was just – you could just see the environment. It was lit. That was like an emotional one too. See, it's interesting. You, you just saying that, it brings back a little memory for me mm -hmm. when Pascal first made the All-Star team a number of years ago. Mm -hmm. And I talked to him about – seeing kids walking around with Siakam on the back of his, you know, on the back of their jerseys and whatnot. People walking around with his name on their back. You ever think about stuff like that? Kids walking around with your name, kids watching you now in an all-star game, kids playing you in a video game? Uh, still blows my mind. Uh, I see it, I'm like, what the heck? Uh, it's crazy to me. Uh, just, you know, I feel like I'm a Regular guy, and you know, sometimes you just walk the street, you see a kid with a Barnes jersey on the back, it's like, what the heck? Like, it's just amazing to me sometimes. Last one for you here. What uh, are you going to take away from this weekend? It kind of comes and goes in a blur. Oh, it was fun. Uh, that's the main thing. Just try to go out here, and have fun, enjoy the game. Uh, basketball is what I love to do, so every time I step on the court, I'm just going to have fun and enjoy it. All right, man. Best of luck down the stretch with the Raptors. Cherish these moments, man. Got to get back to work. 
Interesting there, Jones, to hear Scotty talking about the Canadians. I wanted to ask him that question about playing alongside Matherin and Nemhard. And, and, you know, it, this is going to be a theme that I actually addressed later on in one of my conversations with Pascal Siakam. That's coming up in the second half of the show. But the fact that Scotty, that Pascal, that any of the Toronto Raptors sort of wear that hat as representatives of the only Canadian franchise in the league and thus the connection that they kind of have directly or indirectly to a lot of the Canadian players that are sprinkled, well, not just on the Raptors roster, but of course throughout the league as well. Yeah, it, it, uh, it's funny because it, a lot of the guys probably took their cue from um, the turnaround with the Raptors. And you think about what uh, DeMar DeRozan, and he's gone now, but Kyle Lowry did um, of late. But DeMar was one that realized you have the whole country. And you think about it, Eric, DeMar's been gone from Toronto for a bunch of years, but a lot of people still think of him as a Raptor in a sense where he made his mark and people across this country still talk about DeMar and his impact. So, you know, Scotty, I think, is is in that same vein where he's, you know, projected potential face of the franchise, a former rookie of the year. He will be forever associated with, with Toronto and with Canada in his basketball career going forward. Well, you mentioned DeMar DeRozan. I actually had a chance to chat with him briefly uh, after the All-Star game on, on Sunday night. And, uh, you know, great to see him. And I know he'll be coming to town very soon uh, with the Chicago Bulls as well as the Raptors will be facing the Bulls uh, coming up. Uh, a, a game for the Raptors on Thursday against uh, the New Orleans Pelicans and and looming large for Toronto is another long road trip as well but we will keep our focus on all-star weekend and the all-star festivities when we continue on Smith and Jones you're going to hear from ESPN's Dave McMenamin but also Pascal Siakam and Shea Gilgis Alexander all to come on Smith and Jones Welcome back to Smith & Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. An all-edition of Smith & Jones. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. Download, again, subscribe, rate, and review. Let's keep it rolling now. We dealt with um, the Rising Stars on Friday night. We'll get to All-Star Saturday night in just a couple of moments. But I played the conversation for you. We played the conversation for you in the first half of the show with uh, P.J. Carlismo, one of his colleagues at ESPN as well. The great Dave McMenamin, one of the fabulous writers and broadcasters. I had a chance to chat with Dave about a bunch of topics around the league, not just about All-Star Weekend, but the deadline and the final third of the season. Here's my chat with Dave McMenamin. Dave, it's interesting as we stand here here on NBA All-Star Weekend, a lot of people still chatting about, well, a couple of weeks ago with the NHL and with the NFL and what's happening with their respective All-Star festivities, Pro Bowl, etc. What do you make of what the NBA has done or maybe not done, just kind of staying the course relatively speaking, and not really kind of splitting the atom too much. I like that they added the wrinkle of the Elam ending a couple of years ago where you play to a target score at the end of the game versus just the regular playing against the clock. And obviously defense is uh, hard to be found in a game <laughs> like this, but you get a multitude of highlights, and they do carry over uh, throughout time. I mean, I've been on NBA's Instagram uh, account this week, and you see Charles Barkley dunking on Dominique Wilkins, and you see you know the lobs thrown at the guard from between KG and Kobe Bryant and you know those moments are special for a reason guys uh, that magnitude of, of, of talent don't play together all that often so you get to see it and better to see it without guys clamping down on defense in a game like this yeah I, I tend to like it for the most part but at the same time you know you do kind of harken back to the day where maybe it was a little bit tighter especially <laughs> though even the events themselves kind of the star-studded uh, presence isn't necessarily always there, but it seems to be with the three-point shooter. That's the one that still draws the big names. Yeah, and I love that it's not just three-point specialists. Now, you get some of those guys yeah. in it, but they are really, really good NBA players who happen to be really, really good three-point shooters. And to me, that, that you know, you see a guy like Tyrese Halliburton make his first NBA All-Star appearance also compete in a three-point contest is great. We just need more guys to do that in the dunk contest, right? Because <laughs> you'd be hard-pressed picking these guys out of a lineup. If, even if you're a, a diehard NBA fan, uh, guys like Mac McClung and Jericho Sims aren't top of mind for NBA folks. Now, it wasn't that long ago, just a few handful of years ago, where trade deadline 
came after All-Star Weekend. And, you know, of course, I think things changed when DeMarcus Cousins got That's traded. Yes. Um, was that? That was in where? New Orleans, I believe? I think it was New yeah. Orleans. Yep. Anyway, so the trade deadline now before All-Star Weekend. So let me transition to that. Looking back now to the deadline, winners, losers, is there one team specifically that kind of stands out in both categories for you in terms of somebody that truly improved? Or maybe not even somebody that maybe acquired somebody that didn't necessarily improve, but somebody that you thought should have and ultimately didn't. Well, I go big winner would be Phoenix Suns. You acquire sure. Kevin Durant. I mean, that's a big, big-time acquisition Anytime it happens throughout the course of a season. I think two kind of underrated moves uh, by teams that I believe have contending ability are the Bucks getting Jay Crowder for you know second-round draft picks and the Denver Nuggets getting a guy like Thomas Bryant, who I see a lot in Los Angeles yeah. this year with the Lakers, who can really give you some good minutes, especially with DeAndre Jordan and Jeff Green maybe not having much left in the tank to be that backup big behind Jokic. I love those as over under under the radar type of moves. You know, I think the teams that could have done more to help themselves if, if they truly were interested in making a run. You know, look at like the Chicago Bulls, like you know, didn't see any activity there. Miami Heat didn't see any activity there. Atlanta Hawks. Not really, you know, they, they made a minor move, but, you know, those are teams that I thought could have helped their chances, especially in the East, uh, and kind of stay pat. There's a lot of chatter about Jakob Pertl going into the deadline, where he might ultimately land. I believe one of the teams mentioned was the Boston Celtics. He ultimately lands with the Raptors. I'm going to go back to Toronto in a second, but you brought up the Bucks. It seems like Milwaukee, Boston, kind of the cream of the crop in the East, but after that, Fair to say wide open, or are there a couple teams I should be throwing in there? I think the next team I would probably give credit to would be the Philadelphia 76ers, just as Joel Embiid can be. I've, I've seen it um, against the Raptors, you know, in that classic playoff series, seven gamers uh, a couple of years back. He was arguably the best player on the court, as great as Kawhi Leonard was for that team. So I would put them, like, you know, the third slot, uh, head and shoulders a little bit behind. But I think they have separation between teams four through ten that will make it in the East. But Beyond that, I think it's really wide open. You see, you know, Knicks are a plucky squad. But I don't see them making a deep run, and that's why I think a team like the Raptors, as they look at the final 20-plus games they have here, and they were not sellers, they were buyers of the trade deadline, they could make some noise to get in, and then you get on a heater and playoff experience takes over and you have a true home court advantage, which, of course, Raptors fans have, you know, they could win a round or two. So where do you kind of see Toronto, if you can pull out your crystal ball here, short term even long term because you just mentioned it you know they they were buyers not sellers but they've got some major decisions to make yeah. down the offseason with van vliet and trent and pertle himself as well you know it looks like they could get themselves back into the mix right now but then they've kind of delayed a lot of major decisions that are going to come in what four or five months yeah. or less and they surprised a lot of people around the league you know all you heard was oh what's the price going to be for og ananobi yeah. or you know could fred van vliet bring that championship experience to some other spot uh, I think they need to determine, ultimately, if Pascal Siakam can be the best player on a championship team. If he can't be that, and he's still a wonderful player, then you had to go in full acquisition mode to acquire that guy. Or, you know, you recognize that Scotty Barnes's timeline is slower than maybe some of us would have expected. Not that he's taken a step back at all, but he didn't take a major leap forward in right. year two. And then if he's going to be your guy, then you readjust your timeline around him and I think you go back to being in that seller mentality. Dave, appreciate the time. You got it, Eric. That was ESPN's Dave McMenamin. All right, Jonesy, we're going to look to All-Star game itself, the game on Sunday, in a couple of moments. But we can't just glaze over the Saturday night. I will glaze over one thing, though. The skills competition, uh, I'm kind of done with it. Like, uh, I, I actually liked when it was more individual players and not these kind of teams, quote-unquote, that they're setting up. I just, I'm not as into it, and I'll tell you, to call it one guy, I don't mean to single him out, but Jordan Clarkson, like, little to no effort in that thing. And if you're not going to at least try, then what's the point in even doing it? And I thought the three-point shootout was good. Nice to see Damian Lillard win it, but I was even kind of eh, ho-hum with that event. The dunk contest, though, Mac McClung, like, my goodness. The fact that what he did, first of all, was impressive enough, but the fact that he did it on the first attempt every single time just – to me, was off the charts. Like, that saved well, the night. Well, Eric, you know me, and I've always said the dunk contest, you've got to do, you've got to pull off your dunk on the first try because after that, the element of surprise is gone and you lose some of the juice behind 
you know, what, what your dunk is. People see and say, oh, this is what he's trying to do. And it loses some of its luster. Um, I was okay with the back end of the skills contest. Not the passing stuff and the, the you know, the full, that's kind of gimmicky. The, I like the idea of the, the one ball, three guys. I think you should make it two to put a little more conditioning in it and shooting under game conditions. I like that part of it. I like to see them go somewhere with that. Um, I'm, I'm all for the three-point shooting to me because that's a, it's a skill that is you know, a big part of the game. And the dunk contest, I'm pretty much done with it, but I do like the creativity and the excitement some of it brings. And Mac McClung was, was, was fabulous. I mean, and it's a good thing there's a replay because the first – where we were sitting, Eric, way up high on that first dunk, I don't think anybody around us saw him, you know, do what we called in the, in the schoolyard, the squeak dunk, like touch the yeah. glass, rub it off the glass, squeak it off the glass. It wasn't until the replay that a lot of the – non-basketball eyes actually saw that but um give the kid credit man he he really sent a charge through the the entire vivint arena on saturday night yeah no, not, this has nothing to do with his skills and his dunking whatnot i just it, it, it just it's popped in my head right now i saw somebody i can't remember it might have been holly mckenzie somebody tweeted out how is it that this guy looks like he's 15 and 35 at the same time like he's it just, <laughs> like he looks like a one you catch him on one angle he looks like he's like in in high school and then the next day he's like man this dude looks like he's hitting 40 he was unbelievable <laughs> and uh what a performance he turned in what a great story it is like that's that's going to be a hollywood script it's going to be a movie one day no doubt about it oh, uh, yeah. you know his, oh, yeah. his rise you know his rise to the ranks and hopefully he has a chance to actually uh, you know play some some minutes and 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 make some significant strides for the Philadelphia 76ers as well. All right, let's look ahead now to Sunday's game itself. And in preparation for the game, I had a chance to go one-on-one with two-time All-Star Pascal Siakam. Pascal, um, I mentioned this yesterday to Scotty, talking about you specifically, your first time. I remember being at the NBA store in New York when you made the, you know, the, the team and the announcement was there. And you talked at that time so much about how much it meant to you, but more so your family yeah. and the Siakam name and whatnot. Does this stuff then get old? I'm assuming not, just all yeah. these steps along the journey. Uh, no, nah, I mean, no, nah, no. Nah. I think, I think you, you enjoy every single moment all the time. And, and uh, <laughs> when you have guys like these guys, man, they're they, they talking smack all day. Um, so you just try to enjoy it, have some fun. And... Um, <laughs> You can bring him in if you want. <laughs> Look at these guys, man. What's so happening, man? When you when you be scoring hundred points and stuff, man, that's what we having. <laughs> you know that that that's a perfect moment though. Something like that. When you think back to, I, I mentioned the the kind of journey. Yeah. We're talking about a guy in in you that's been playing basketball for barely a decade. Right. And all of a sudden, you're here at your second yeah, All-Star yeah. game. You got a championship, and you're hanging out with the best of the best in the world. Do you, do you have those moments to step back and go, "What the heck has yeah, happened?" Yeah, no. I mean, it's hard again. Like, it's hard to like because like when you're so locked in into the journey, like you're so locked in into the everyday, and you work, you want to work so hard, and and the amount of work that you put into it, like it's hard to sit back and 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 look at it. And I think like even for me, like obviously like not making it the first time or like you know like or even the years like not making the all-star and then this year not making it. and then you know getting the opportunity to come here like it's hard because i'm like yo i put the work and i do everything i do but but at the same time like you know you, you remind yourself that like this is a blessing like like knowing where i come from like anything is a blessing like you know like i wasn't supposed to be here you know um so so being here every single day like i try to enjoy it i try to you know just be grateful for it because um, I know there's a lot of people that like don't get this opportunity that will never, never will. So um, I just try to take every single moment, like and enjoy it. And again, my family it helps more when I see my niece, like Maya, like she's enjoying it, she's having fun. Like you know, my mom, my, my, my brothers, my sisters, like like those guys make it worth it. And and it just it just makes everything like you know you you want to be you want you want you want to enjoy it even more because they're enjoying it. One of the things we were talking about yesterday as well, not just with Scotty, but with some of the other players, the Canadian content that's involved in you obviously playing for the loan franchise in Canada. But going back to you and your roots, you're talking about the journey and you weren't supposed to be here. Yeah. I know you talked about this back in training camp and whatnot as well, but it's got to be just a thrill to be able to see somebody like Christian Coloco and others yeah. that you have clearly 
blazed a path for and 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 you know they're now following dreams that they see you fulfilling yeah no that's crazy um and just even to, to think about that like that's a, to me that like that's super crazy and like i feel like i've been in denial for a while <laughs> like just like just because of like who i am as a person like it's hard like not believing you're the guy yeah 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 because it's, it's hard to like you know like think about that like but I talk to you know Patrick Engelbright, like one of the scouts, and he's in Africa all the time, and and he, the feedback that he gives me from you know kids watching me and like you know wanting to be like me, like it's just crazy because like I never really envisioned this, like you know that wasn't not really on the plan, like coming in and wanting to play basketball, like so um, it's a blessing, man. Like I, I enjoy every single every single moment of it, and I'm and I'm proud and, and happy that some people can take even a little part of my journey and, and it can inspire them. Let me tie in a lot of what you've talked about right here with something you just said downstairs in the scrums. You were saying that as much as your numbers and your work ethic and where you want to be and the goals you've set for yourself mm -hmm. are important, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's still about the team. Yeah. How difficult is that to balance sometimes where you could be doing your job and you could be putting up the numbers and having a heck of a season, but if the team's not playing well, it might yeah. not matter. No, it, it don't. It don't matter really most of the time, like, because, like, that's what sports is. That's what basketball is about. Like, it's about winning. Like, you want your team to be one of the best and you want to be able to win. Like, because that's why you, you suit up every single season. Like, you know, like, there's, for me, there's no other reason to play if you're not going to try to win and be the best that you can be as a team and, and individually, you know. So I think that um, it, it is tough. And, and, and I just want to continue to do everything that I can, you know, for us to be where we're supposed to be. And, and, um, and that's my goal every single day. All right, last one for you then. Looking at what you just said, the last stretch drive here, where do things stand for the Raptors and how do you like your chances in terms of the playoff push? Yeah, no, I think that, you know, we continue to get better. Um, I love our fight and, and I feel like, you know, um, obviously we had a Jakob, we, you know, there's new energy around and, and, and we hope that, you know, we continue to grow. I think, you know, we're trending up, like that's all I've seen, you know, for the, for the past month, like for my team. And, and obviously there's some games there and there that we can win and we, we look a little different. Um, but 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 I like I like what, what we are as a team, and, and I think the whole the whole squad is like motivated to 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 continue to get better and, and see how, how you know how far we can push, and um, and yeah, that's that's the goal after after All Star break. Great. Thanks, Pascal. Yeah, thank you. Two one. That was my first of two conversations with Pascal Siakam and Jonesy. Uh, you know the the pride at which he speaks of his family and and you heard me reference it off the top of the interview you and i were there uh, a few years back when he was an all-star for the first time uh at the nba store in new york and 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 just talking about his father looked down and the pride that he knew that his father must have in him the siakam name on an all-star jersey and now having you know nieces and 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 his brothers and a whole bunch of other family members with him in salt lake city to experience this second all-star game uh it was just fabulous to see and you can you can just tell what this uh, weekend and what this moment in time means or meant for Pascal. Yeah, um, in, interesting. I ran into uh, his brother Christian um, uh, in, in the airport with a bunch of the family as we were traveling, uh, traveling back, and it was a proud moment. It is a proud moment. How could it not be for somebody? Yeah, you know, you think about it. He started uh, late in the game. Uh, Pascal didn't, you know, start playing basketball till he was 16, 17 years old. And here he is, he's not 30 yet. So you, you think of uh, the great run he's had uh, from what the time he picked up the game <laughs> to where he is now, uh, drafted, uh, played U.S. college ball, drafted, um, uh, you know, most improved player, uh, NBA, all-NBA all team. NBA champion, another all NBA team, uh, you know, two-time all-star. Man, that's a pretty good run uh, for a guy who is yeah. still, I would say, relatively new to the game. So uh, it, it's got to be terrific for him and his family. And, and uh, you know, good things come to good people. We both know from our interactions with him, Eric, since day one when he got here, he is a, he is a terrific young man. And, you know, the Raptors do all, always seem to draft character well. And they, they found a good one in Pascal Siakam. All right, we're going to go back to Pascal in just a couple of moments because I had a chance to chat with him a second time after the All-Star game. But before the game, I had a chance to go one-on-one -on -one with Canadian and rising star, rising superstar in the game, first-time All-Star, Shea Gilgis-Alexander.
Shay, I was just listening to you downstairs talking with a whole bunch of the media, and one of the things you were mentioning is the lack of physical skills initially as a young player and how you had to kind of learn your way and adapt your way into the game and into your style. How tough was that process, especially as a youngster, to where you've obviously built yourself today? Yeah, um, I kind of viewed it as fun. Um, it was an obstacle for me to, to get over, um, a wall for me to run through. Um, but it was, it was challenging and it was fun to get through it and then get on the other side of it um, and become a better basketball player, which is ultimately what I wanted to do as a kid, just keep getting better and hopefully end up here one day. I know you've heard this a thousand times from Canadians like me asking the question, but you probably get it asked by others as well. Coming from Canada and not necessarily seeing the representation a lot as a kid, but it started to come more and more, and now you're part of the wave that is really going to be extending it to a, a, a groundswell, I'm sure, in the years to come. What did it mean to you to have some people to look up to and then to kind of create this path yourself for so many young players? Yeah, it's it's an honor, literally. Um, seeing Steve, um, Rowan, um, Jamal, McGlure, um, yeah. and then seeing the next crop of Tristan, Corey, um, seeing guys just keep going further and further with it and, and the numbers keep getting higher, um, made it easier for myself when I was a kid to. to to, to believe and think that I could really do it. Um, and obviously the number keeps growing um, and hopefully the kids see it the same way I saw it as you can, you can really do it, you can really get it done. Um, just gotta believe in yourself and work hard. I remember you asking you a couple of years ago about that first time going to a Raptor game at then Air Canada Center, now Scotiabank Arena. But let me ask you this, eight years ago, you're playing basketball in Hamilton mm -hmm. and now you're an NBA All-Star you're the GQ, you know, most stylish man of the year, et cetera. Like, I mean, that's a, it's a pretty wild journey in less than a decade to where you were in Hamilton, Ontario, to where you're standing right now. Right, yeah. Um, it's literally things I, I dream about. Um, and it's surreal living it out every day. Um, I try to soak it all in, um, be grateful, not get too ahead of myself. Um, but I think it's, it's also a testament to my hard work um, and everything I've sacrificed as a kid and an adult to, to be here today. What was the biggest sacrifice? Um, I just remember little things like sacrificing, you know, as a kid, you want to go to the mall, hang out with your friends on the weekend, um, sacrificing to go to AU tournaments, sacrificing to, to work out instead of party or, or just hang out with people I want to. Um, but ultimately, I knew it was, it was going to lead to bigger things, and, and I'm glad it did. So let me ask you this. I know you just said not looking too far down the road. Right. I totally respect the, the task at hand is the thunder and the playoff push and everything else. Have you allowed yourself a moment to look ahead to the summertime and the task for Canada and the world's coming up and you know the opportunity that's going to present itself for the country? Yeah, um, playing last summer um, made me so excited for the opportunity. I haven't played in, in, in a few years because of injuries and getting drafted and it hasn't worked out. Um, but playing this summer really opened my eyes um, to the opportunity we have and I'm so excited for it. Uh, I can't wait for the, the group of guys to get together um, for us to really attack it, but, I, but I'm so excited for the summer. It's pretty wild, too, when you kind of turn on an NBA game. It used to be, you know, you're only the fourth Canadian All-Star, but, you know, as we talked at the beginning here, not having a ton of representation. Now you turn on a game, and right. more so often than not, game. there's, yeah, yep. it really it is, right? Yeah, it's crazy to where, to where the game has gotten um, in such a short little time. I just hope it continues to grow, um, and hopefully the kids keep believing that they can do it, too. What do you feel when you see kids? no matter what age, no matter where they're from, walking around with Gilgis Alexander on their back. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Um, KG's, I used to walk around with Bryant and Iverson on my back. Um, and for the roles to be reversed is, is an amazing feeling. Um, and I just make sure that I give those kids an experience that they'll never forget um, and try to be as kind and, and nice to them as possible. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. It's Thank awesome. You. That was my conversation with Shea Gilgis-Alexander of the Oklahoma City Thunder, but a lot of chat there about uh, Canada and the national team as well. And I, I can't get that out of my head, Jonesy, and I said it to Shea in the interview. You know, you, you mentioned Pascal and how, you know, how little time has passed since he really started playing the game. I mean, it's been barely a decade. How about the fact that, as I said to Shea, eight years ago, he's a 16-year-old kid playing high school basketball in Hamilton, 
and now he's 24 24 years old. He's putting up 30 a game in the NBA. He's an all-star. He's the GQ most stylish man of the year, and he's a rising superstar in the league. Like, it happens so fast. It does. It does, and and time is fleeting. And, uh, you know, great for Shea. Uh, Let's hope he can put up numbers and be an all-star for years and years to come. And I'm telling you, that is going a long way as I put on my Canada basketball hat to fueling the medal hopes for Canada this fall, uh, you know, late summer, this fall when, you know, the team heads over to Europe and eventually to Indonesia and hopefully the Philippines grabbing a medal in the World Cup. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is going to be a big part of Canada's success. All right, we're going to circle back to Pascal Siakam in just a couple of moments. My second conversation that I had with him, it came after the All-Star game itself on uh, Sunday evening. Um, but, Jonesy, let's discuss it for as, as, as little or as long as you want to right here. The game was <clears throat> not great. There was not much competitiveness to it. I mean, there were certainly a lot of highlight reel dunks and flashy plays, but as Jalen Brown said, it was a glorified pickup line at best, or excuse me, pickup line, layup line. Maybe they need a pickup line <laughs> to, to try and get fans back to this thing because I'll tell you what, um, it was announced just today, in fact, that uh, Mark Stein, uh, the great national NBA writer, said that he had this in, in one of his uh, stories uh, that Sunday's All-Star game was easily the lowest-rated and least-watched edition of the All-Star game, I believe, ever, and viewership was down 30% from 2022 i don't have the canadian numbers those are the u.s numbers but that is damning in terms of the numbers and i think it speaks to how uninterested a lot of people were because of how uninterested the players seem to be absolutely eric absolutely and you know not to not to 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 bang on the game but jason tatum scoring you know, 55 points, the most ever in an all-star game, uh, eclipsing what was the previous high by Anthony Davis just a few years ago. To me, that doesn't count. It doesn't count. You know, Jalen Brown said that wasn't basketball. That was just highlights, layups, and jump shots. Probably two fouls called in the game. You know, it, 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 the game's competitiveness has gone downhill. And you know what these guys need to realize somebody should show them the all-star game from i don't know when julius irving came over from the aba in 77 that's one of the memories for me when doc won the mvp and that game was really competitive and you know the game when magic uh, came out and he had the hiv issue and he came back that game was really competitive i'm not saying it wasn't fun uh, with isaiah isaiah thomas showing throwing you know half-court bounce alley-oop passes like that you can still have fun but there was a competitive Mm -hmm. spirit in that game trying to show hey this is why i'm an all-star i'm stopping people i'm scoring on people and there was more pride in it and right now it's just um it's not even a good pickup game because in pickup you're trying to win trying to hold the court so i they just they've got to do something about it they they you know, they had a little jump in 2020, Eric, when we were in Chicago, because it was the first year of the Elam ending, the, 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 you know, they, they were honoring Kobe because he passed away less than a month before. Like there were some, some things to it that, that brought some, some vigor and, and, you know, the remembrances. But, um, boy, it was, uh, you and I were sitting up there. It was tough to watch. And think about the people that paid a whole lot of money for those tickets. Um they probably didn't get the bang for their buck they were looking for. So let me just piggyback on, on a couple of things you said there very quickly before we go to this second Siakam interview and then close out the show. I thought Stephen A. Smith said it well on ESPN, and, and I'm going to kind of parrot him a little bit. What I don't understand is why these guys don't play harder. And if it's simply because you don't want to risk injury, then that to me – completely nullifies or throws that argument out the book when you say, well, hold on a second. What about the Drew League or any number of these other charity games or pickup games that are played in the summertime when these guys are going all out and playing hard, hard, hard ball in the summertime? How about, and I don't mean this in a negative way, 
uh, or in a in a in a in it with any sort of uh, animosity. How about the Rico Hines runs, the Raptors assistant coach? Those things are some of the most intense, aggressive games and highlights we see in the summertime. With these guys going balls to the wall in the summertime at UCLA or wherever they're playing their games. If you can play that hard in the middle of the summer with no regard to potentially blowing out your knee or risking a season or career-ending injury or something, then don't tell me that you can't play hard in an all-star game. It's the same thing. Play hard, man, right? Like, you can't have it one way or the other. So if you're going to do it in the summer, do it at the all-star game, right? Absolutely. I I totally agree. And look, all it would take, all it would take in my eyes, Eric, is one guy one guy in that game to play defense and block a shot and then down at yeah. the other because because you know what that would do that would that would kind of jolt the guy that got his shot blocked or the guy that got the ball stolen he's like well shoot I'm not taking that and then the next guy that had the ball the guy that had that done to him would try to do it to somebody else and the other guy with the ball is like well wait a minute you're trying to take the ball off me no no this is I'm going to show you you can't and all of a sudden the intensity picks up all it would take is one or two guys to try and play defense at any point in the game, and that thing turns into a much different run, in my eyes. Well, Pascal Siakam still had a great time. Nevertheless, understandable, of course. You're, you're part of the, you know, the biggest festivities and the biggest stage. And uh, after the game, I had a chance to uh, hook up with Pascal for another conversation, and uh, let's bring it to you right now. Pascal, you and I spoke yesterday about your path, your journey to here. You look at then today, Basketball Without Borders, and then the halftime show of tonight, let alone with you you know, being picked fifth by Giannis and him talking about doing it for the motherland and whatnot. How special was this weekend when you look at that sort of culmination of everything? Yeah, no, it was special. Um, obviously, can't, can't take it for granted um, just being this, in this environment and being here. Not everyone gets to do it. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm ex- I was excited, and I, and I enjoyed it, you know, fully. Um, and I think that, you know, when they asked me to kind of, like, present, you know, the, the, the performers at halftime, you know, I was just excited because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of those guys, you know, like Thames, Burner Boy, um, Rema. Like, it was just so great to, to do that and, and be able to enjoy that. Uh, seeing Africa being, you know, at the top and, and every, every, everyone is watching us, like, I always loved those moments, so I was excited. Do you feel like even more of an ambassador to some degree when you think about, obviously, the ties to Africa, the ties to Canada, the fact that you have so many French-speaking people coming mm-hmm. to you as well, and, and then let alone just representing Toronto specifically? It's like you're kind of all over right, the place. Right, right, yeah. And I think, like, for me, I just always felt like that's why I was like, like Toronto was kind of perfect for me just because of, like, you know, having that international background and, and, and understanding what it means, you know, to, you know, having... A whole country, a country, or like a whole continent, like behind you. Um, so it's, it's always exciting. I, I love that, and 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 for me, I just I just you know take pride in it and, and carry it, and and try to do the best that I can to represent every time that I can. Comparing to your first time, did you like this format, the setup of the draft and the picks and being on stage or what? I mean, again, like I, I really, I really have no opinions on none of that. You know, it doesn't really matter, man. If if I can be blessed enough to be there, like I'm happy and. Whatever happens, happens, like, to be honest. All right, last one for you. Was it nice to be, albeit for a brief moment, back on the same team with DeMar and sharing those experiences? Yeah, no, nah, that, was, that was dope. That was dope. Um, obviously, DeMar, you know, we love him. You know, everyone loves him in Toronto. We know that already. Um, and, and just to, to have him, just knowing, you know, what it meant to, to not to me, not only to me, but, like, you know, all the young guys when we, come, when we came up, um, you know, just great example of a vet, somebody that worked hard and, and continued to work hard every single day. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to, you know, um, share the court with him and, and just having fun, man, like, you know, because at the end of the day, like, you know, we, we're actually friends, so it, it feels good. All right, good luck down the stretch. Thank you, thank you. Again, another one-on-one conversation with Pascal Siakam, uh, and it was cool for him, as, as I spoke about in that interview right there, to be playing alongside DeMar DeRozan and, and re, you know, reconnecting with DeMar. And, uh, and, and as you noted earlier in the show, Jonesy, he's still a guy that kind of carries the torch. DeMar 
uh, for Toronto. I, I, I told you I ran into him and chatted with him briefly. It's crazy to see how, how old his kids are and, and how old he is now, and I say that respectfully. We're all getting old. Um, and, and, you know, an elder statesman in the league back there as an all-star with the Chicago Bulls. The Bulls now making a move and picking up Patrick Beverly. That maybe helps them in the final third of the season, trying to, you know, make a playoff push or at least stay in the play-in. And that's where the Raptors stand right now as we get set for this stretch drive here, the final 23 games for the Raptors. They're in a play-in spot now. And let's see where the dust settles in six weeks if the postseason is going to be at the doorstep for Toronto or not. I, I think it is, Eric. I, I think this team, uh, with the addition of Jakob Pertl, is, um, you know, poised for a strong finish. And I don't know if that strong finish, as you said, takes them. How far up the ladder it takes them? Uh, does do they, you know, they're sitting in ten now. Do they, do they get to six? They're they're four and a half games out of sixth and a, a regular spot. Uh, they're only four games out of seventh. They're a game out of eighth. Uh, Atlanta, who is sitting there, has also made changes with their coaching staff. So, And then the, the Raptors' schedule, Eric, you talked about it. There's a game against Chicago. Uh, they've got Indiana. They've got two more with Washington. These are teams that are, yeah, you mentioned that there's that West Coast trip. But these are games that you, know, that you would look at and say, hey, you can get that game. They've got Detroit uh, coming up uh, you know, right after the All-Star break. So... They've they've got some games that you would look at and say, hey, you need to be stacking up some wins here and, you know, maintain your position at least in the play in and try to move up the ladder. Folks, make sure you subscribe to Smith and Jones wherever you get your podcast. Download, subscribe, rate and review. It was an all star supersized edition of Smith and Jones. Thanks to A.J. Griffin, Andrew Nemhart, Scotty Barnes. P.J. Carlissimo, Dave McMenamin, Pascal Siakam, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Also, I should shout out uh, Kelly Williams, Tim Frank, Jim Lombard, and more from the NBA. Phil Summers from the Toronto Raptors. Appreciate all their help in lining up a lot of these interviews. And, of course, Lance Kennedy, Austin Mackey, Mark Boffo, the crew bringing you the show this week as well. For Paul Jones, I'm Eric Smith. Thanks again for tuning in to another edition of Smith and Jones. <laughs>